Welcome to a weekly look at all things high school sports around the South Plains. Powered by the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Here's the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. And hello everyone, I'm Carlos Silva, the sports editor for the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, bringing you another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. And i got Alexis Cubit with me. We're going to talk a little bit about high school football as we always do a little bit of high school volleyball and then of course our second portion has a interview with a head coach uh, more than likely could be Rawls head coach uh, Xavier Ronghill going off to a 5-0 start and uh, we have some other possibilities as well but we're looking forward to talk a little bit of football with the uh, coach in the second portion so don't uh, forget to listen to that but before that let's talk a little bit about a team called Estacado that we had mentioned was going to be pretty good this year and so far they have lived up to expectations Alexis. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, they played the the Clint game where emotions were a little high. But, I mean, even to overcome all the penalties that they were able to shows a lot about the team. And, you know, it was mostly in the the first half, like uh, Coach Cooley had said in my story, you know, once they got in that locker room, sure, they kind of got some things straightened out, had some guys stand up and, you know, got it together in the second half. There weren't nearly as many. Uh, They didn't give up any points. I believe all of Clint's points came there in the first half on a field goal and then that uh, one-yard touchdown just before halftime. So, yeah, I mean, another good win for them. They've got a lot of good momentum going for them. Um, obviously a tough defense. You know, the the one-two combo with Jeremiah and Jalen, you know, some other guys stepping up because of some injuries. So just a really good feel right now. I'm sure they're all really proud and really happy, you know, to be 6-0, and ranked fourth in the state in Division Two Class 4A. Um, so just just a good good vibe from the Matadors right now. Good vibe, but obviously didn't play as well as expected against a Clint team that maybe was a little bit more talented than maybe we thought. But as you kind of mentioned, uh, just those self-inflicted wounds by the penalty. Certainly Joe Cooley, I'm sure, is looking to kind of wrap those things up as they head into obviously week seven, if I'm not mistaken, going into this week. But of course, we're talking about some of the games that we covered last week. Matadors kind of expected the win over Clint, so... Certainly a good one for them. They've got a, another big one that we'll talk about going into the later portion of this podcast. But another one that I kind of wanted to mention, uh, Coronado. It seems like they're a little bit on the snide right now. Dropped one to number 10, Abilene Cooper. Kept it close, but then all of a sudden it was just kind of what we were talking about with uh, Estacado, some penalties. But not only that, but then fumbles just really hurt them in that 52-24 to victory against the uh, Cougars. Yeah, and, you know, I think maybe a little bit of a – just a little bit of a struggle there. Um Maybe some things, the moment maybe got too big. Maybe that was something that possibly happened. Um, I didn't get to, to watch it, but I listened on the radio. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed like, you know, one thing after another. I think Sawyer had like two interceptions or something like that. Yeah, 57 yards, two interceptions after halftime. But before that, he was actually really efficient, 17 to 25 for 279 yards and three touchdowns. It was just that second half that really kind of, what was that bugaboo for those guys? Yeah, so, you know, just things like that where, you know, Little things can become big things really quickly, and yeah. I think that's probably what you saw in the second half where it was just kind of, you know, those things got away, and it started building, and that lead started getting bigger. And, you know, I mean, Abilene Cooper is undefeated for a reason, so it's not like you're dealing with a team that, you know, you can just come back from things like that. So, you know, learning experience, they'll they'll move on, and they have Emerald High this week, so uh, hopefully they can, you know, right those wrongs and get things turned around. Well, one thing they'll certainly have to do is hopefully stop the run game. Noah Garcia, the running back for Evelyn Cooper, had 249 yards and four touchdowns. That certainly uh, didn't help the Mustangs in that loss as well. But the key play, 
As Abilene Cooper tied it up 24-24, first drive of the second half, Coronado Winford on fourth down at its own 33, but was stopped, and then the Cougars turned around and scored, and from there that was really kind of where the route kind of started. Mm-hmm. 38 unanswered points to end the game, so obviously defense certainly something uh, Coach Parr will be looking forward to to see if he can get his guys to kind of rally up and kind of figure that out. Certainly we'll see if they're able to do that, but some other uh, teams that we were kind of watching last week that uh, I, I don't know if struggle's the right word, but maybe couldn't get the offense going was the New Deal Lions against Trinity Christian. I was shocked at the score so close at halftime, but after a, a little bit of uh, nudging and a little bit of, I guess, some some positive passing throws from Hayden Caudill, uh, the New Deal Lions eventually got off to a 39-13 to non-district win over Trinity Christian, who uh, had a very gutsy performance only seated up 18 players for that game. So as you well know, 11 and 11 on both, that's 22 players that you need. So you can kind of do the math there. Some guys are playing a lot. Yeah, and then you figure for, for New Deals, maybe that rest or rest kind of theory and that they had the, the week open before. So, yeah. you know, maybe a little bit of that, um, just kind of getting going. But, I mean, it, kudos to Trinity Christian for staying in it as long as they did. I know they're kind of struggling a little bit right now. But, um, yeah, I mean, you, you – just kind of take what the game gives you. Speaking of taking what the game gives you, Denver City bounces back after a loss. 42-0 shutout over Reagan County. Big win for the old Mustangs. Expecting some big things from them. Once the old district uh, game start, La Mesa takes a 74-14 loss last week to Greenwood. So we'll see if the Tornadoes can get things going. But other than that, uh, not not too much going on. As we mentioned, the districts uh, kind of had some bye weeks. Thursday game was a tough one for Monterey as we kind of watched a little bit. Dropped one to the Sandys, who, as you mentioned, will be taking on Coronado this week. Uh, one thing I saw from the uh, Monterey Plainsman was uh, they they didn't give up. They continued to score at least in the second half. But the thing is, is you just can't dig yourself into a big hole. And I thought that was really what happened for the Monterey Plainsman. Right, and then I mean, it kind of gets to you, you know, being down and just trying to come back up. And you know, like I said, sometimes things are teams are a lot easier to come back on. Some teams aren't. And then you know, you have to have those leaders in there to kind of pick everybody's head up and say, you know, next play, let's move on and. You know, sometimes if you don't have that, then that hurts. Or, you know, if guys are just tired or or whatever the case may be, um, it's just really hard to get down. And that's why you want to get off to those fast starts and kind of maintain throughout the game. Not only that, but then obviously scoring on opportunities when you need to. Amarillo was up 21-14. Monterey reached the Sandy 13, but... Uh, Corian Bailey took a four-yard loss, two incomplete passes, and they settled for a field goal. And from there, that's where Amarillo High just continued to score in that victory for the Sandys. So we'll see if uh, Monterey, Coronado can obviously get things going. Estacado doing well. Uh, Lubbock High took another loss. We'll see if they can turn things around when they take on Palo Duro this week as they host them on Thursday. What have you heard from Shane Steven and company as to what they're looking forward to? Um, the biggest thing I think right now that they're focused on, I mean, it's the second year of kind of a, I don't want to use the word rebuild because that seems so cliche, but they're in. Reconfigure. Exactly. They're in the second year of establishing a different program, a different era of Lubbock High football. So mm-hmm. he's not as concerned with the um, one in six record right now as much as he is, okay, you know, if we lose, we lose as a team. It's not, you know, this guy blaming you know, so-and-so mm-hmm. for the loss, it's, okay, we lost. You know, we could have done this, we could have done that. But honestly, I think one of the, the good things, the good key pieces to build off of 
is a, a kid like Max Hernandez yep. on uh, defense. Mm-hmm. And then just the relationship that Brandon Smith is developing with his receivers and, mm-hmm. you know, those guys just becoming friends and, you know, playing other sports together and lifting weights together and doing things to build that bond to where, you know, it's not going to be, it's one thing to blame somebody that you don't like versus blaming somebody that's your friend. You know what I mean? So when you build that kind of culture of, you know what, these guys are my brothers, these guys are my friends, it's not so easy to point fingers because you want to lift them up. And so I think the intangibles right now is what the main focus is on. Obviously, those wins would be nice, but right now I think it's it's just that second year of getting the, um, what do you call it? What's that phrase I'm looking for? Like getting your house in order, basically. Got you. So basically building the foundation for another year, which certainly there was some in that first year. You saw something happen in that first win that they uh, got over La Mesa. Yeah, the offense clicked. And then obviously you kind of saw a little bit of struggle with Coronado just because of the talent issue, if you want to look at it that way. But I I totally agree with you. It's certainly... uh, that there are some things that maybe wins and losses don't show. Yes, it obviously is the be-all, uh, be end-all that a lot of fans and a lot of people look at, but right now you can kind of see some things kind of turning a little bit for Shane, Stephen, and company. So we'll see how they go. Against Paulo Dury, you'll have a preview, of course, for that game, which starts at 7. And then, of course, you can watch it on Fox News now as well. What else do you got, uh, at least on Friday? I know, uh, you, I believe I got you at Plainview at Lubbock Cooper. Is that right? Yes, I'll be in Woodrow this weekend for that district opener. Um, which should be, I'm expecting good things out of that. I know obviously. Could be a lot um, of running. Yeah. And when you look at the the records, it might not look as much of a, a competition as you might see, but I think you definitely have, and I was talking to Coach Darden of Lubbock Cooper earlier about Plainview, and you definitely have a lot of improvement from them. They have a lot of returning guys back. Charles Gibson being one of the, the main guys there at defense. I believe he still plays nose guard. I have to to check on that, but um, just a a hard-nosed kid that kind of that Kobe McKenzie type where he looks a lot older than he is Yeah. because I think he's only a junior this year. Last year he was a sophomore, but he's just built like, you know, a a grown man. And so Mm -hmm. definitely a good piece for them to build around and just kind of that secondary there. Um, They lost a couple of guys last year, but now also still bring back some guys. So I think you'll see – Probably a little more passing from Lubbock Cooper with Cooper LeFaber coming on there pretty strong. And mm-hmm. then, of course, you know, they do have the running backs, but you're at a point now with Lubbock Cooper where you have to prepare for both options. You know, it's not where you can just key in on one guy. Yep. Um, you know, obviously, Plainview with Demarius White, they're still learning the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. He just got switched this year. Um, but they do have Peyton McNutt, who's been solid. Pretty much ever since he's <laughs> he started playing for them. Has been, but it's going to be a little bit tough when you got a Lubbock Cooper defense. It is probably sure. going to be keen on him, so there's going to be a little bit more pressure on the quarterback position. So that should be interesting to watch just to see if uh, Lubbock Cooper can, one, get their running game going. Can the defense slow down Plainview and Peyton McNutt? Because if he can, that's certainly a real good piece to put you in a good position to win. And then uh, speaking of some teams that were looking to potentially get another victory, Estacado, as we mentioned, are on a roll. Obviously, it's going to be a tough one for Estacado as they welcome Borger to the old uh, Plains Capital Park at Lowry Field. But at least from all indications, seems like the defense is really what's been fueling them this year. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think they kind of have a good chemistry on the team to where the offense drives the defense and the defense drives the offense. So if the defense is struggling a little bit, offense can pick them up. And if the offense is struggling a little bit, the defense can pick them up. So 
Um, I think they're more than capable of getting the win over Borger. Like I said, I don't really see them losing for a while, but um, you know, that's that's us Things saying happen. that. Right, I was gonna say that's us saying that in the studio or you know, here it's a different beast when you get out there and actually play the game. Don't play those games on paper. That's why they play them on the field. And then, of course, uh, as we kind of mentioned, everyone thought it was going to be a pretty big ride against Clinton. You saw what kind of happened. If maybe you don't play your best game, you can kind of get caught. Estacado almost did. Uh, not, not necessarily caught in terms of losing, but they were caught and at least got some learning lessons, at least for Joe Cooley and company, as uh, maybe some of the players realized, hey, if we play really bad, we can lose on one of these nights. And uh, unfortunately, or fortunately for them, they didn't lose last weekend, but Mm -hmm. you certainly don't want to have that happen in the playoffs or anything like that because, of course, when and you're done. But uh, one thing that's going to really kind of test them a little bit more than maybe Clint did because Clint's more of a run-based team. Borger's going to be throwing the ball a little bit, so it should be interesting to see how Tadrian Ward, Kiki Murray, and some of those guys kind of slow that down. Yeah, well, see, that was the thing with Clint was that they were a very – Chippy team. They yes. had a huge running back. I believe it was number 24, Kintara, Kintane, something like that. But that was a big boy. And they had trouble bringing him. I mean, they had to literally have multiple guys mm-hmm. tackling him to bring him down. So that was, I guess, a frustrating thing for them is the fact that these teams aren't going for, you know, the highlight plays. They're going for those one, two yards that add up to first down. So you know, they, they definitely learned how to handle an offense like that. I mean, when you play teams, you know, like the Herefords or the Coronados or whatever, where maybe you are going to be a little more exciting to watch. Um, and then you have a team like Clint where they're just, you know, let, let's just go for the yardage. It's definitely a lot different, and I think they learn from it. So uh, I think the, the Borger game will be well within reach. I mean, Borger's been shut out three times this season. I know that's something that – the guys at Estacado kind of talked about. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll just see how it goes. And these are the game that counts, and so I'm sure that adds another layer of motivation. Absolutely. They'll be trying to obviously go for playoff seeding, as everyone in that district does go to the playoffs, but there's still something on the line, that being the trophy. And, of course, as we mentioned at the start of the podcast, when we – believe in back in August, uh, wouldn't be shocked if Leveland and Estacado were playing for that district title, but we'll see how things go because, as we mentioned, uh, teams play on the field. But uh, any other games you kind of wanted to mention? Because uh, I, I know you got to head out here. We'll talk a little bit of volleyball before you get out to uh, Woolforth. Yeah, the big thing, I guess, will be, speaking of Woolforth, Friendship plays number 19-ranked Midland lead to open up their season. They're yep. going to Midland. So, you know, talk about a good test right off the bat for a team that's, you know, got off to a hot start. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that'll definitely show them a lot about themselves and see how they can kind of handle that. Midland Lee looks like they have a, a junior quarterback that's really throwing it around well. Um, another one is Olton's going to New Deal. Olton has actually gotten off to a better start, I think, than they have in a while. Um, they're with an experienced quarterback also who is a mm-hmm. junior, Jack Alcorn. Yep. Um, some different guys with Aldo Aldo Vasquez is playing tight end spot, a little bit of running back. Um, so, you know, I, I think it'll probably be more of a game than we're expecting against a team like New Deal. But, um, yeah, it, it'll be another, for Olton, it'll be another good challenge right off the bat. It's one of those interesting ones where Olton's going to have to try and slow down all the athletes that New Deal has. Right. And New Deal will have to obviously slow down one Jack Alcorn, as I mentioned before. If he can slow down one guy that may uh, make Olton a little bit one-dimensional, but they do have some other playmakers as well but it'll be interesting to see if new deal can get off to a quick start that may hurt Olton because they're they're not built to kind of make those big plays sometimes 
you may get that one broken broken play, and you get that, but uh, New Deal more uh, athletes, and I kind of feel like that one's going to be there for the old Lions. Ben, kind of to your point as well, friendship, uh, an overtime away from being undefeated going into this game against, or on, on the road, obviously, to Midland. Mm-hmm. should be interesting to see uh, if they can kind of, one, not only continue the role, but just kind of validate that 4-1 and one record, because I know that's one thing Coach Gene Northcutt always talks about. You can win at home, but when you win on the road, especially in district games, that that, that really is the, the telltale sign of yep. the, the, the type of team that you've built. But uh, on the uh, note of friendship, I know you're going to be covering Odessa High at Friendship in District 26A. Volleyball, Odessa High obviously not high on the old district standing. Friendship is high on the district standings at 4-0. and oh, What are you kind of expecting to see from the old Lady Tigers? Well, I'll say friendship. I think right now is just it's just a good time to be at friendship. They just seem like they're doing a lot of good things over there. But um, as far as volleyball goes, I mean, I think the main thing is, and, you know, they have a solid junior class. You yeah. Know, I talked to Coach Randy True about that, and it seems like every week there's somebody from that class that steps up, whether it be at Gracie or Hannah or, you know, whoever it may be. But they also have two solid seniors mm-hmm. who kind of foster that different environment for them. So I think um, I think they'll be able to finish out this round of district undefeated. Um, they just seem to have a really good uh, chemistry, kind of like we are talking about with Coach Steven at Lubbock High, mm-hmm. establishing those intangibles. Friendship Volleyball has those intangibles of being able to play well together, being able to know where each other are, not being, you know, there's no one rotation that's weaker than the other. It's everybody playing together. And then you have versatile players like Grace who can play multiple positions. And then you have players like Hannah, who's a staple, or you have even a young player like Devin Nairn, who's coming in there and, you know, providing quality time for them, getting those kills or, you know, the Aliana Mayfields who have been in the program and can now, you know, be proud of the fact that she's part of this team that's doing so well. And to be ranked number 21 in the state in Class 6A also is a major accomplishment for them. So, you know, the main thing is if they don't allow, you know, records to get involved or they don't think this will just be a gimme match, I think they'll be just fine. Not only that, but then I think uh, this should be a match where if you are able to get the first touch, you get the – Correct pass. I think this could be one where Allie Mayfield and Emma Davila have a pretty good uh, match on the attack. That being the offensive side of the side of the ball, and then not only that, but it should be one that hopefully uh, friendship should at least get within three or four sets. So it should be uh, one like you said at the first round of district. They should be finishing this one off at five and zero. Oh, but of course, that's why you don't play on paper. That's why you play on the court. You'll be covering that one. Follow you at Alexis underscore Cubit. Uh, obviously, it's kind of tough because. You're going to be doing this right afterward, but you can also follow her for all the football tweets and stuff that she tweets out throughout the week as well. Anything else you wanted to mention before you head out? Because I know you really do have to right now. Um, no, I think that's – oh, yes, stats. That's right, stat leaders. I'll stat leaders for football. Quick. That's right. We there, always... there isn't much movement just because a lot of teams are off, um, but you do have Jeremiah Dobbins from Estacada further securing his spot. We'll have all the right stuff. Um with 1,328 yards and 11 touchdowns. Uh, Jerry Flores not too far behind. Peyton mm-hmm. McNutt there at third for passing. Sawyer Robinson from Coronado, same thing. Even still having a – even with some of the, you know, situations, still the passing yeah. leader in the area with mm-hmm. 1,914 yards. Donovan Smith from Friendship right behind him. And Brandon Smith actually from Lubbock High at the third spot. As far as receiving goes – 
You'll have Drew Hocutt as the number one receiver in the area among reported stats. Number two would be Tyree Tipton from Monterey, who's also having a pretty good season despite some bumps and bruises going on. And then number three would be John Hernandez of Coronado with 599, which if you have OCD, I'm sorry. Um, For total tackles, Dylan Stokes of Seminole with 78, which, you know, just like we've talked about, Coach Palmer getting off to that good year. Dylan Stokes obviously playing a major part of that. Uh, Jonathan Rivera from Lubbock Roosevelt, third. Max Hernandez of Lubbock High, like we had talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, or excuse me, Jonathan Rivera is second. Max is third um, from Lubbock High. Then as far as interception goes, Rhino Garcia or Javier Garcia from Rawls has four. Then there's a three-way tie with Ethan Ramirez from Smyer, Michael Hayter from Sundown, Keaton Pearson from New Home, excuse me, four-way, and Kiki Murray of Estacado. All of them have three interceptions. And then the quarterback sack leader would be Papa Blewett, Jeremiah Essex, both of Estacado, and Abraham Van Gundy of Rawls, all with five. The old Jackrabbits 5-0 and oh, should be interesting to see how much they continue their success with Xavier Ron Hell at the helm. Once again, uh, for that second portion, I'll try and get a hold of Xavier. If not, uh, we'll be getting another head coach to talk about their win over the weekend. Like I said, not a lot of coaches uh, last week uh, with with some obviously some game experience just due to the off week or open week, however you want to call that, for all the high school football teams. Of course, if you need to get all that information, including all the stat leaders, you can check out the Thursday edition of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal where we'll have a preview for the Lubbock High Palo Duro game. And, of course, uh, all the weekend uh, – weekend, uh, I'm trying to think of what it's called. Oh, the uh, football week. Content. The, well, not football content. What is it called? The, the weekly football forecast. There we go. I can't, I can't talk right now. Weekly football forecast where, no, not bragging, but called uh, Oklahoma State to lose last week. So mm-hmm. I, I've been kind of mentioning that in the office. But uh, don't forget, uh, Friday, of course, we have our – Football Friday section for not only Texas Tech, but then, of course, high school football. You'll get all the previews and everything from Alexis. And then, of course, she'll be at Plainview at Lubbock Cooper in Woodrow. You can follow her on Twitter at Alexis underscore Cubit. Don't forget to follow at Lone Star Varsity for all the tweets and information for all the games and updates around the South Plains. And then, of course, LubbockOnline.com will have a link there with all the stories and everything else that we put together throughout the week, along with a Twitter feed so you can follow all the action if you're on your smartphone and you're at the game and you kind of want to see how everything else is going on. Other than that, I think uh, it's been a good good episode today. Yep, good deal. Awesome. Appreciate uh, you coming in, Alexis. You can go to your volleyball game now, and we'll call this a day. I'm Carlos Silva, the sports editor at the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Appreciate you all listening. Again, here's our second portion of the podcast. And hello, everyone. Welcome to the second portion of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast, where we bring on a head coach from a winning team, or since last week was uh, open week for a lot, we've got Rawls head coach Javier Rangel. How are you doing, coach? Good, good. How about yourself? Awesome, man. Well, uh, obviously, uh, Rawls is off to a hot start, 5-0. and uh, I guess uh, w- w- when you kind of have a role like that, are you kind of uh, upset? Or are you kind of happy when you have an a, a open week? Well, you know, it's it's good and bad. You know, I think all coaches agree on that. You know, we, yeah. like I said, kind of, you know, played well the la- uh, first five games. But at the same time, 
um, you know, it's a good time to rest. We got a little banged up. And of course, you know, like everybody, just kind of get banged up throughout the year. So, um, you know, it's a good time for us to, to rest up a little bit and just really this past week just kind of focused on ourselves and tried to get a little bit better and just, uh, you know, all the little things that we have uh, need to get better on. That's kind of what we focus, focus on this week. Kind of talking about that just a little bit, because I know coaches always get asked this question, did the bye week come at a good time? I guess just for, for you all, when you talk about focusing on yourself, is it just kind of nice not to have to, I guess, maybe game plan or watch film, and maybe that gives you some extra time to either one, kind of, you know, rest and relax, so to speak, or kind of rehab some guys and then just kind of let, let them kind of mentally kind of check out a football for a week? Yeah, exactly. Well, we don't want to check out too much. Oh, no, but, yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, sir, no, I'm just, but, um, no, it's good. Like you said, uh, um, you know, we definitely need to heal up. You know, it, it you know, right mid-season for us uh, um, came at a good time. You know, like anybody else, have some shoulder in- injuries, ankle injuries yeah. and, and whatnot. But, uh, you know, like you said, we don't, uh, you know, didn't have the game plan. So kind of didn't bring the kids in early for, for morning workouts. So they got to sleep in a little bit, rest a little bit, kind of like you said earlier, uh, just kind of mentally, you know, don't have to focus on a team per se, but at the same time, they knew, you know, of course, this week we we just uh, kept working, you know, and that's what we've been telling the kids, just keep doing what we're doing. So, um, you know, of course, practices are a little bit shorter and so forth, yeah. but still the same work and, uh, um, you know, just all the little things we need to get better at, which which we still got a lot of things we do have to get better at, but at the same time, uh, I'm just trying to heal and, and get better. So I know, obviously, for you, this is your first year with Rawl. So obviously, the five and zero starts kind of a kind of a surprise to I guess some people that were kind of looking from the outside in. But I guess what did you see from this team? Obviously, we kind of knew the talent you had with Abraham Van Gundy and and Jerry Flores. But I guess what what did you see that kind of made you feel like, hey, we've kind of got something here? Well, you know, of course, I got hired on uh, right at the beginning of the summer, and of yeah. course, starting summer workout. <laughs> Starting summer workouts, you know, you could just see the dedication in the kids, and we had great leadership from our upperclassmen and and just really just their work ethic. You know, of course, they had a good season last year, and yep. uh, that's one of the things, you know, we had a lot of kids coming back, a lot of experience coming back, and we just wanted to build on that, of course, um, you know, just kind of tweaking some stuff here and there. But at the same time, we've just got some hard-nosed kids that, uh, you know, really practice hard and, and enjoy playing the game and have been really, really coachable. So uh, it's just been an exciting time for us to work with the kids and, uh, like, we said we're just trying to uh just build on last year and have a better season and make a make a deep run this year in the playoffs but of course it all starts with uh with district on friday against lockney so that's really what we've been focusing on this week absolutely and then of course uh lockney kind of knows who to focus on for you in terms of your offense jerry flores and abraham van gundy have been two guys that have kind of been that one-two punch for you what what have they done that has made them so extraordinary where Jerry's got about 800-plus yards, 12 touchdowns, and Abraham with about 500-plus yards and nine touchdowns. Well, it's, uh, like I said, I think it's a bunch of combination of a bunch of different things. You know, our offensive line has been blocking well. We yeah. have uh, uh, probably, you know, four or five guys that, that uh, started last year just uh, throughout the year, and they've done a great job. And, of course, those guys have been doing a good job reading their blocks and running hard. And, you know, our offensive coordinator, Michael Rios, has done a great job of uh, uh, really mixing it up. You know, they, those two guys get a lot of the credit, but our quarterback's done a good job of, uh, um, you know, giving the ball when he needs to. And we've got our third running back, Bryson Jones, has had some some big games, uh, you know, gotten close to 100 yards on a couple of games and, and uh, really done a good job. So really, like I said, if they take those two away, I have a bunch of confidence in Bryson and our quarterback, uh, Xavier Garcia, to be able to, to, to run the ball, throw the ball, and, and, and you know, uh, 
you know, a bunch of different things. So we feel good about all our running backs. We feel they're they're all a threat. And uh, like I said, of course, Bryson and uh, and Abraham get a lot of the credit, yeah. but and they deserve it. But at the same time, like I said, we we uh, feel our our, our O line and and our other backs are doing a great job as well. It's funny you mentioned Bryson because uh, obviously at the two A level, the the smaller level, you guys got. A couple kids that play both ways, Bryson being one of them, leading you in total tackles with about 30 and a half right now. Can you speak to what this defense has been able to do? I think people don't realize how dominant y'all have been, just giving up 20 points total in five games, averaging about four, uh, That that obviously going out to about four points per game. I guess what have you guys been able to do to limit your opponents to, to obviously that little point? <laughs> Well, uh, I believe our, you know, defense coordinator, uh, Brandon Reagan's done a great job of uh, putting the kids in, in a position to make plays. And then they've just been making plays, uh, reading their keys, yeah. playing hard, running to the football. Of course, we're we're far from perfect in uh, a bunch of different ways. But I think at the same time, the kids have been running to the football and going hard. And I think anytime you go hard and, and uh, try to get to the football, good things are going to happen. And we've had some... Uh, you know, been at the right place, right time with some uh, fumbles and interception yeah. and putting pressure on the quarterback. And and uh, our defensive line has given, uh, you know, the linebackers a chance to make those plays. You know, we got Elias Martinez up front and uh, uh, Jeremy Flores, uh, Jerry's yeah. brother, doing a great job up front as well for us. Kobe Rendon on both sides of the ball. So those guys up front have really uh, done their job as far as uh, being able to to, you know, plug up the inside or putting pressure on the quarterback. And, again, that gives those uh, guys like Abraham and Bryson a chance to get the sacks and the big plays. So it's been exciting just to watch them play and to watch them develop and buy into our system and, and just flying around. You know, it's it's a good time, and they're excited and play with a lot of uh, excitement. And, and uh, like I said, so it's been fun. It's been fun for the coaches to be able to work with these guys and, and uh, see them develop throughout the year so far. And hopefully, again, we've still got a long ways to go if we want to mm-hmm. reach our goal. So I know non-district is obviously where coaches kind of figure out what you've got either on the team or just kind of put some guys in some uncomfortable situations to see how they kind of respond. Uh, it's a little bit tough when you obviously go 5-0, and but certainly there were points during non-district that maybe the coaching staff saw either on tape or maybe a kid kind of mentioned it to you. What, 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 what If you can even think of either – not necessarily a play, but maybe a game that kind of maybe uh, turned the light switch on for some guys to where you knew, okay, we're, we're going to be in a good spot this year. Well, you know, honestly, game one, you know, Shamrock, they, their quarterback is yeah. really shifty and a really good quarterback, and he really had us worried. And, of course, watching the game film from last year and watching, uh, um, you know, just them against uh, um, their opponents in the scrimmages really had us uh, – you know, we really thought he was going to be a handful, which yeah. he was, you know, and I think just really honestly after game one, the way our kids responded and read their keys and played disciplined football and really just got after him and kind of contained him. That's, um, you know, we, we thought we had a chance to, to do some good def- uh, things defensively. And of course, you know, like all coaches early in the year, you're trying to figure out uh, kids and who fits where. So we've still, you know, juggled some kids around, but we think we're getting to the point where we've kind of got most of our positions figured out and we've still got some kids battling and that's what we tell them every day hey uh, you've got to produce and if you're not doing what you're asked to do or or not making plays we've got some other guys behind you that that want an opportunity so uh, they've been working hard in practice to be able to keep their positions and uh, to hopefully again continue to play well defensively kind of switching over to raw uh not not pardon me a uh, lockney who you all will be playing uh, next uh, this weekend, pardon me, coach. I guess what what have you all kind of kind of seen from them? I know the zero and five is what everyone will look at, but they played some really good teams in Olton, Hale Center, Floyd Data. I mean, teams that are obviously going to give you some problems depending on each week. But what, what have you seen from Lockney that's kind of made them so dangerous? 
Well, exactly like you said, you know, they played those guys really tough uh, early on. And, uh, um, you know, whether it's Floyd Ader or Seagraves or whoever it was, uh, yeah. um, you know, they played them. They played them tough early. And that's one of the things that, uh, you know, we've told our kids we have to make sure that we're we're uh, keying our keys because, you know, they've got a tailback that's, you know, rush for five, six hundred yeah. yards and they do a good job. Uh, of course, they're very well coached over there. And, uh, um, you know, the, the other thing is, you know, they run the ball a lot and we run the ball a lot. So that's going to be a, a kind of shorten the game a little bit, you know, and, uh, you know, we need to make sure that we take advantage of, uh, of every opportunity offensively because, again, uh, it's going to just kind of shorten up that game. And and, uh, you know, we need to make sure that we uh uh, take every opportunity we can to score, but again, it won't be easy. They fly around to the ball. They've got some good size on the line, and and they play hard, you know. And anytime you play hard, and and um, you know, uh, read their keys and doing some of the things they've done, uh, you know, they give themselves a chance to win. So we just need to make sure that we're doing what we need to do uh, to make sure we can uh, come out with that victory and start one and zero in district on Friday. I know you've kind of alluded to a coach, but how do you keep a team that's five and zero to kind of keep their head focused in the terms of uh, you have to kind of validate your previous success going into the rest of the season? Yes, sir. Well, you know that's one of the things we have to, you know, uh, um, I guess in the past Rawls hasn't, uh, you know, had as much success, and mm-hmm. uh, like I said, they had some last year and, and this year. But that just, uh, you know, as coaches, we've just got to remind them every day that. Um, you know, all we can do is go one and zero every week, and yep. you know, you, you've seen uh, many teams go five and zero or four and one in non-district and not make the playoffs, mm-hmm. or you know, lose a game they're not supposed to. So that's just uh, things that we kind of talk about every day about um, you know, the past is the past, and and we're going to focus on one game at a time, and we're focusing on Lockney, and we're giving everything we we've got on Friday night. So uh, we can't get ahead of ourselves. You know, we do want to make a run in the in the postseason, but mm-hmm. at the same time, we can't do that right now. You know, we've got to. We've got we've got Lockney on on Friday night, so that's all we've been focusing on, and we try not to get ahead of ourselves uh, um, and make sure that they they stay grounded and uh, just continue you know just continue to to uh, try to improve every week. Well, I appreciate the time, Coach. Uh, once again, Rawls Jackrabbits five and zero. They're taking on Lockney this weekend. Uh, anything else you kind of wanted to mention in terms of what what you've kind of seen from your team or anything else, Coach? Um. You know, it's just uh, an exciting time for our community and our kids, and uh, we've had great support at our at our games. And uh, like I said, we're just trying to trying to improve every week. And you know, our kids have played hard, and and uh, we're gonna just try to make a deep run. Appreciate the time. That's Javier Rangel of the Rawls Jackrabbits, the head football coach. They are five and zero heading into a big District Four Two A Division Two matchup with Lockney. You can obviously check all that out at Lone Star Varsity. Dot com and of course uh, on Twitter at Lone Star Varsity. Appreciate the time, Coach, and we'll uh, talk to you down the road, my man. Appreciate you guys uh, covering us. Thank you. Once again, this is Carlos Silva, the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. You listen to another edition of the Lone Star Varsity podcast. We'll talk to you next week.